There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. Puts him at 1,000 yards on the button in his rookie season. And now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Turf Show Radio, the second episode of the new Turf Show Radio. I'm with Josh Webb. Josh, we got to figure out a way to brand it. Is this season eight? Is this season nine? Is this something new? How do we want to do this, man? I think it needs a colon with a title after it, like the reckoning or something, you know how you like see like UFC 89, the whatever, you know, I think it needs one of those. Cause that season stuff. I mean, let's be real. You take a show like the Simpson, you, you could name episodes that you really loved, but could anyone outside of Simpsons fanatics really be like, Oh yeah, that was season, whatever. No, man, you couldn't even do that with law and order. You'd be like, nah, I just remember it by detectives. So I think we eliminate the whole season thing in general and give ourselves like a moniker. Like this is Turf Show Times or Turf Show Radio, The Reckoning. I think think the good thing is, look, and I I, got to write something on this before the season starts, but it's almost like the Rams aren't really a team right now. It's almost like 2019 is when Rams football in Los Angeles begins. You know, you got a new stadium, likely to have a whole new, you know, set up. I'm jumping ahead of things, but likely to have a new head coach, likely to have an entire new field of what we're dealing with now. This is a transitionary period. And I almost feel like we get that with Turf Show Radio to a degree, too. So let's say we get three seasons of the new Tertia radio to work this out in 2019. We're kicking off something different. How does that sound? That sounds good. I, I'm on board. Good. So I got I'm amenable to so, that. So I, I got th- what you're saying is I got three years to buy a microphone and figure this audio no, shit out. No, <laughs> absolutely not. You, you have a week. That is it. This is the last one for the fans. Yes. Otherwise, yes, okay. <laughs> giving out your address and, and making them throw eggs. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. All right, uh, everybody is Josh Webb uh, and myself, Josh. 
what what is your Twitter handle, friend? At Fight on Twist. Fight on Twist, everybody. I'm at 3K underscore. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we know you guys are listening to the show. We look at the numbers. Things are looking good. I mean, it's personal times. We know people are reading it in big numbers, and we're only getting bigger. The the big story, obviously, today compared to last week when we recorded our show is that we are uh, temporally, but factually as well, a week closer to training camp, which starts this week, Josh. We got rookies coming in on Wednesday, veterans coming in on Friday first practice this weekend. Training camp's here, man. We made it through the off season. That that's I find it hard to do every year. Every year when we get to the Super Bowl, when we get to the college football national championship, and football season ends the dread that I feel gets heavier every single year, but we made it. Normally I agree with you, but you know, I'm a huge footy fan. So there were the euros this summer <sighs> and that helped. I, I watched a lot of the euros and, and sort of podcast on that. And while you can't necessarily, I don't know how hard it is for Arsenal fans to get themselves excited year to year. Uh, but but I'm sure you can understand why as a city fan with Guardiola incoming, I'm even watching preseason like, you know, international footy. Like, I, I mean, Guardiola, his first game, it was a loss to Bayern and it was at a ridiculous time, but I watched it. And I think, I think that's part of it is that, you know, Soccer certainly helped me and you this offseason, but for for NFL fans who may not follow soccer, and for NFL fans who are solely NFL fans, you know th th this was a this was a wild offseason for the Rams. You know, started the offseason as the St. Louis Rams, finishing it as the Los Angeles Rams. We just had the Legends of the Dome game in St. Louis, which I thought was an appropriate way to celebrate and acknowledge the time in St. Louis. I know you, obviously you're a Los Angeles guy. I was born in Los Angeles. We don't really have a St. Louis voice on this podcast. Um, but I, I thought, I thought it was a, a fair way to honor the, the time the franchise spent there. And the fact that it was led by Isaac Bruce, who was honestly my favorite Ram growing up. Uh, that the fact that he was the one who did it, I thought, I thought it was an appropriate way to close out the time in St. Louis. Yeah. You know, in, in, kind of off the beaten path a little bit, not too far from what you said. I think also that even though they had to be asked by, by Isaac Bruce to participate, you could understand why the Rams weren't maybe initially going to, but inevitably did. Uh, no doubt. They, were, they weren't sure, you know, because you're never sure how to approach that situation. In theory, you want to be there to not only support Isaac Bruce because of what he means to the whole Rams community and St. Louis, but you also want to, you know, you want to do something for the people of St. Louis. But then there's Absolutely. that whole you just broke up. So you can't go back like. And then be like, oh, we forgot to pick up one or two things, you know, but yeah. both parties they they did the right thing and i think that it's worth taking a moment to say that like it's awesome where in a summer of seemingly endless conflict and strife you saw two parties that had a very messy divorce get together and put something on in the name of good and nary a, a negative word was said 
and a, and a positive event was had by all. Like that yeah. cannot be stressed enough, especially in a community like St. Louis. Absolutely. And I was critical of the way that even after everything that led up to the decision to relocate going into January, even thereafter setting up the legends game in Los Angeles and the, some of the comments that had been made by various members of the front office, uh, especially Kevin Demoff, the COO, I was certainly critical because they, uh, yeah, yeah, what I, what I said on the site was that they had burned the bridges and even went further. And, and there's no, there's no argument that they weren't doing that. Here's the thing is, like you said, it's understandable why they would play their hand that way. What what I thought was interesting is that it took Isaac Bruce to do things in a, in a really classy way and in a way that was not only respectful uh, to St. Louis, but befitting of what uh, we, we would expect a franchise like the Rams with as much history as they have in general, but as much history as they have with, with the city of St. Louis, to do to to essentially say goodbye i thought they handled it well and, and the fact that the the franchise was involved to the degree that they were i was impressed that they, they pulled it off as well as they did yeah, yeah, yeah i mean it really was it really was and it's it's hard to get closure for something on that that scale and the fact that i i personally i think they did and to the degree that they did i thought that was impressive yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. I really think that when you, you look at the situation as a whole, these types of things in sports almost always, beyond a shadow of a doubt, go the opposite direction, especially sure. when you have something that happened. I mean, look, the, the I mean, the bed wasn't even done. You know, like, I, I mean, the house is still there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah. this is yeah. fresh. This is fresh, yeah, and, fresh, and they made it work. And, and, yeah, and the last franchise to do something like this, the Seattle Supersonics, didn't have this closeout event. They didn't have, you know, like uh, Gary Payton or, I, I don't know, I'm not a Seattle Supersonics fan, but who had uh, Sean Kemper, you know, somebody like that to celebrate, yeah, the, the, to celebrate the time there and, and respect the fact that the history there is part of franchise history. Right. And that's what we got with the Rams. We got the greatest show on turf and that, you know, Los Angeles fans should celebrate that as much as St. Louis fans celebrate Derek Dickerson and, you know, Jackie Slater and Deacon Jones and anybody else from the L.A. you know, years. And that's part of the franchise for, for those of us that follow the team from Los Angeles to St. Louis, as I did. That, that that matters, and the fact that that we're now following them from St. Louis to Los Angeles, I get it. I understand the rancor between St. Louis and Los Angeles, the fans from those cities. But but as a Rams fan, as a kind of a third party Rams fan, I also recognize that this franchise accomplished something in that city, and I'm glad they got to celebrate it in a big way. I think that the bigger thing is moving forward. At some point, you just have to keep going. And now we've got something, you know, maybe the first tangible thing outside of the draft, but that's not a Los Angeles-based event. We've got the, the, the first real Los Angeles Rams meaningful event outside of the PR stuff that happened when we relocated. we got training camp coming up at UC Irvine this week, man. Yeah, and dude, for anybody who has never been to UCI, like, because I know that there are radio show hosts and – apparently uh, uh, producers and such that follow this show. Like y'all, when you get your credentials and you're headed down to UCI and you're thinking, man, it's going to be awesome to watch the Rams. You know, this is going to be a great experience. 
let me know how you feel after parking. Like, let me know. UCI <laughs> is already the, I grew up in Irvine and cannot yeah. stress enough how bad UCI's parking is. Add in the fact that they are now adding an NFL team out there. This is going to be like, you might as well park at Steelhead Brewing and just walk. And, and, well, and, and they'll probably face less resistance. That's that's my pro tip. And, and, and that's part of the Rams, right? Is that 2019 is the marker. This is a, a temporary facility. It's a temporary process. It's a temporary offseason. Everything's temporary. So they, they get this, or they're asking to get this benefit of the doubt of, hey, while we work it out, here's what we had to do. And the fact that they've got to do it. Yeah, you're you're gonna know better than I, because you we've got a uh, three guys on staff who are gonna be down at training camp at various points. It sounds like you guys are gonna cross over the time that you're there, so we're gonna be able to interact with fans, get the fan voice, and obviously everything that we do for Churchill Times to represent the fans uh, is gonna go on as usual. It's just gonna take place in Los Angeles as opposed to St. Louis, but you know we've transitioned as well as you could expect any. Uh, SB Nation community to do under the circumstances. I think the difference is, like you said, it, it, it's not happening under the uh, the utopian, you know, circumstances. The fact that training camp is taking place somewhere different than OTAs, the headquarters isn't entirely set up, the home stadium isn't there. It's a three-year period, and I think that's uh, going to be reflected in the experience. I think the question is, how do they deal with? the fan response, like you said, if parking's an issue, about that. if attendance is an issue, what do they do about that? I want to ask you something kind of crazy. Like it's, it's off the wall, but I'm bringing, I'm bringing crazy something. questions on Tertial radio. Why I never, I why know. I never Joshua Webb. I am bringing hmm. it from my, uh, from, from the flipping <laughs> tables podcast where Cam and I, it, it, it kind of just actually came up through, through conversation and uh, one of the things that uh, that we wound up talking about is that second game of the week when when Seattle comes or second game of the season when Seattle comes down to Los Angeles, like mm -hmm. you're going to have the Rams playing in the Coliseum now covering USC. I'm also aware of how many Trojan fans who maybe gave up on the NFL when they left Los Angeles or grew up without the, the NFL and were waiting for a team, a lot of them followed Pete Carroll to the Seahawks. Carroll, I mean, sure. there's, yeah, there, there's even a U.S. Seahawk uh, uh, hashtag and all that jazz. I want to ask you an honest-to-goodness question, and I'm not doing it for the sake of controversy. I'm genuinely curious. Who do you think gets a louder reception at the Coliseum? I don't know. I know. Well, here's the here's the thing: the, the allegiance to Jeff Fisher is, is, is one slim. of the big so slim. Well, and, and well, what I, I think it's one of the biggest storylines, and and maybe the biggest storyline. You he know, I, before we started this podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, USC sure. fans don't necessarily like fish. I mean, but they worship the ground that Pete Carroll walks on. And this will be the first time since Pete Carroll left USC that he will be leading a team out of the tunnel in the Coliseum. And that's sure and I, going to be a storyline. And, and I, I think what's, what's most important is, you know, unlike Pete Carroll, who at USC and obviously with Seattle and going to Super Bowls has succeeded, 
Jeff Fisher's resume isn't what he leans on to 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 incite the the sympathy and the excitement for Rams fans. No, nobody's looking at two, the 2016 Los Angeles Rams season and saying the reason I'm excited is because we've got Jeff Fisher coaching us. Nobody nobody says that, right? Even law. I, I, and I, yeah, I'm not as tapped into the USC community as you are, but I would assume even the USC Los Angeles based fans, you can't find a single person to say you that. You can, you can, but that demographic. Probably eats at norms by what, like what did, 430 what, and what then do they watch do? How do they survive in 2016? Where do these people live? In Irvine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess I guess you'll see them later on in camp. I just I just find it amazing that 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 an NFL and I get it. He's got the roots in Los Angeles, and that's great. But at some point, you got to look at the professional accomplishments and the fact that he's only got six winning seasons out of 21 between Tennessee and the Rams. And the fact that he's bringing a team. I was reading uh, over at the MMQB, that Peter King's obviously uh, offshoot Sports Illustrated site uh, before we started. Uh, got a got a preview of the season of the biggest issues that teams face going into 2016. And the biggest issue the Rams have is how do they bring – their new rookie franchise QB, Jared Goff, into the fold and get him prepared for the rigors of an NFL season. And the quote that he had, and I'm paraphrasing, was that that even as they get him ready for the NFL, they don't have the pieces in place to be able to make the playoffs. This is his fifth year as head coach. And and even though, you know, Les Snead is the Rams' general manager. I don't, I don't. Oh, fair enough. That's, I don't know that's if I agree fair. That's starting position, but go on. Go that, on. That's fair. That's that's fair. And again, this is Peter King saying this, not me. But it, it, Jeff Fisher, who's the head coach, but even though Les needs the general manager, uh, by all accounts, Jeff Fisher has held more sway in terms of personnel decisions overall. Maybe not for some of the uh, the smaller details of the personnel direction. How, how is it, and, and uh, given that you don't necessarily agree with this, how is it that you can have a media member like Peter King, who's as as connected into the NFL and is is establishment as any NFL media member you'll find, can qualify the season to say they have too many holes to reach the playoffs, and still have this head coach coming back in year five to run things? If that's the case, that just doesn't make any sense. I. Well, you're, if you're asking me to predict what Peter King thinks, we'll probably be here all night because I've had conversations with him, and 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 I, yeah, I'm not even sure I know what that man thinks from time to time. I think there are times he hits the nail on the head, and then you know, I'm sure like a lot of people think with me, there are other times where I'm like, do you yoga, you know? Um, but uh, I. I don't necessarily say like like you said. I, I don't necessarily agree with the starting premise, and 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 I think that if you look at this defense, okay, even before the 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 changes that were made, this defense was was playoff ready. Like okay, Todd Gurley was a great bonus. Like so, if you if you theoreticize this team, say with. I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. How far does this Rams team go? And if I ask you that, with with the current roster of players, 
what is your response? I mean, I know that they lost some people, but if this if this team were quarterback by Ben Roethlisberger, how would you feel? Are you, are you asking, is that a rhetorical question? Yeah, no, no, I'm legitimately asking you. If 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 this team were quarterbacked by Ben Roethlisberger, what would your let me? But the easier question to to put to you is, what would your seasonal expectations be? You did lose yep. Rodney McLeod. You did lose Janoris Jenkins. True, but Greg Williams has a guy that he really likes there at safety that that he free to slot in. So maybe EJ Gaines is 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 something at, at cornerback. Maybe he's not. What what are your seasonal expectations knowing that at the bare minimum you've now got a healthy Robert Quinn, a healthy Aaron Donald? Oh, oh, and now you've got Quentin Copels who's finally being used in the correct position. Like yeah, if, well Yeah, to be determined, but sure, sure. Okay, all right. He's at least can, can we can we settle on he's being used more properly to his abilities than he was in New York. Yes, only because of the four three. Not necessarily in terms of his individual skills, but yes, certainly in terms yeah. of the the initial defense. Here, here's what here's what I would say. If you're if you're asking me, uh, how do I feel about this team with Ben Roethlisberger? How are they going to perform? My answer would be under Jeff Fisher, worse than should be expected. Right? I, I, I'm not necessarily qualifying what that is, but it, but it, but I think for most people who would say this team with Ben Roethlisberger should do X whatever X is with Jeff Fisher as the head coach, they would perform a notch underneath that. And and the reason why is simple because we've seen the factors in place to perform at a level and they still haven't gotten there. You mentioned the defense and the fact that they lost, and and this is going to be a huge storyline in camp one that we're going to cover pretty extensively. The fact that this defense for all the hype and and the performances that they got out of them in the last couple of years, uh, the fact that they've lost four starters, one at each of the four levels of defense. They lost a defensive lineman and defensive end Chris Long starters. Let me let me make that qualification. Four starting defenders at each level. They lost a starting defensive lineman in defensive end Chris Long. They lost a starting linebacker in middle linebacker James Laurinaitis, somebody who you know they've had just like Chris Long uh, since they drafted him uh, many years ago. They lost a starting cornerback. They're starting number one overall cornerback in Janoris Jenkins, who guarded the most difficult wide receiver in the matchups uh, since they drafted in 2012, the RG3 trade year. And they lost their starting safety in Rodney McLeod, who left in free agency uh, to Philadelphia, somebody they've had since he was an undrafted free agent. Now, with that defense that you and I agree should be a top X defense, whatever that X is, we can agree over that, but, it, but it's something well in the top half. That's a quality defense that's capable of performing at a playoff level, right? We agree on that? Yes. Yes. That would no, be no. my, that no. would be my starting. I, I, no, would, no. I would think that playoffs would at least be your minimum expectation is what I was hoping you would say. But again, that, we're assuming with Ben Roethlisberger, right? We're, we still yeah, have Ben. Knows, and, uh, sure. And I'm I'm just isolating the defense. The quality of the defense is playoff quality, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. I agree. On the offensive side, I, I, this this is where things get tough, right? Because 
again, last year was Jeff Fisher and Les Needs, the head coaches and general manager, respectively, their fourth year. So they've had four years to build an offense, the same way they had four years to build a defense. And where they were very successful, I would argue, uh, as it sounds like you would, in building that defense, what the offense that they built last year was last in the league in yardage game. Now, everybody is going to point to Nick Foles and, and perhaps the Case Keenum and say the quarterback position was one that needed to be modified, and that's why they spent so much trade capital in moving for Jared Goff and the fact that they had traded for so many draft picks before this year and built up the rest of the roster. The last position that they really needed to deal with was quarterback. Not necessarily disagreeing, disagreeing with that. Here's what I would say. Nick Foles helped the Philadelphia Eagles win 10 games two seasons back-to-back. Not starting earlier in the first year, and obviously injury plagued in the second year. Whatever contributed to the Philadelphia Eagles winning 10 games in those two years was something Nick Foles was a part of. Last year, Nick Foles started, I think, 12 games. The Rams started 4-8 and eight before going to Case Keenum for the final four games. They ended up with the worst offense in the NFL in yardage gained. That's not something that's only dependent on the quarterback. There are plenty of other bad NFL teams that have bad quarterbacks. All of them perform better on offense, at least in terms of yardage gain. I'm not saying overall, but at least by this one metric, which is a very simple metric that I would suggest is indicative of the quality of the offense. The Rams finish last in yardage gained. That suggests there's other factors besides the quarterback that are impacting their performance, especially in a year where Todd Gurley, a rookie running back who wins rookie of the year, who is talented beyond belief and obviously displayed that on the field with the best first four games, starting as a rookie in the history of the NFL, to get, to get that offense that we got with Todd Gurley and with Nick Foles suggests that there are other factors at play, offensive line, scheme, strategy, all those other things. None of those are going to change as long as Jeff Fisher is the head coach and the rest of the supporting cast, Todd Gurley, Tavon Austin, Kenny Britt, the rest of the wide receivers, outside of two fourth-round uh, wide receivers and tight ends, fourth round and sixth round between the two rounds. Uh, you know, the same offensive line, the same strategy, all that's coming back. So my question is, if we're assuming that Ben Roethlisberger is going to change the direction of that team in all that meaningful of a way, why didn't Nick Foles do it? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, um, winning 10 games in the NFC East versus winning 10 games in the NFC West, I, I, is home man I, I mean the nfc west is just a brutal brutal division and no no, and, and, no doubt and, and, but I, I would just point out that jeff fisher and the rams have done very and well I'm not, in the and, I'm not, and i'm not gonna down you know this i know I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna downplay fish but i also don't want to make it all about him every time you know but, sure. but i would say i would say this I would say that, sure, I mean, there are definitely underwhelming expectations based on what you have, you know, historically seen and, and, and where things are likely headed, given that the personnel hasn't much changed for the better, per se, right. as much as people have been lost. But there are certainly issues to be made over the quality of of you know i i, I mean for for all 
that Nick Foles did, he's also never been able to replicate any of the kind of performance he put up in that Pro Bowl season that he had. So as a, as a quarterback, he's starting to look like an anomaly. And I do think that coming into the NFL, Jared Goff already knows more about route and route concepts than I think Nick Foles had probably ever been taught in his entire history at Arizona uh, under Rich Rodriguez. You know, like, I just, I I mean, Jared Goff is leaps and bounds better, uh, as is Ben Roethlisberger. Um, But I, I, I feel where you're coming from. When you look at this team, I see why the expectation for some fans would be as long as Jeff Fisher is in charge, this thing is going to be static because, well, frankly, four years of the same result would have most people, most statisticians saying, uh, well, I'm going to stick with what uh, it has been, you know, like there are no major indicators that have been injected into the equation. Now, if you would have told me that the Rams went out and got Tom Brady and put him in with Jeff Fisher, maybe I think, okay, this changes because even with a guy like Fish, Tom Brady would call his own plays at the line. And Tom See, that's where we did. That, that, that's where we disagree, man. That's I, and I, I think I think that's why this is the central storyline of 2016. And if, if Fisher it, coach quarterback, if it were Tom Brady, if Fisher called in something that he didn't want to run, you don't think Tom Brady would change it at the line? I do. I don't think it necessarily matters with this offensive line and this wide receiver group, which Jeff Fisher, along with Les Snead, but primarily Fisher, is responsible for. That's what that Cooper instead and uh, no, it's not, it's not Stedman Bailey. I I do have faith in Stedman Bailey though. Sure. I have faith, I have faith in Pharaoh Cooper and uh, Michael Thomas. I truly do. So so. They, I'm, I'm not denigrating them as prospects. I'm excited, in fact, to see them in training camp and to see them in the preseason. Here's what I would suggest. Those are fourth and sixth round wide receivers. For a franchise that drafted Brian Quick in the second round, Tavon Austin in the first round, and Stedman Bailey in the middle of the, middle of the draft. This is a franchise that has, a, especially under Fisher and Sneed, that has a history of underperforming wide receivers and not necessarily because of their traits. And I don't think it's Farrell Cooper's fault or Mike Thomas's fault that they're in this situation. But I can't look at how the Rams, even with look new at coaches, the and I think. You at wide receivers. No, when- no doubt. When, when, like, just look, as a pure outsider coming into this situation, like, sure. I'm still learning about the Rams. I'm still absorbing this process, you know, up as until. most of Los Angeles is, right? I mean, ago, I mean, Los Angeles is learning USC. about the Rams. Yeah. Up until three months ago, I was covering USC and Fresno State. So, sure. you know, I mean, th- there's a learning process that I'm going to go through with the Rams just as much as anybody else. Uh, but, but I would. I would definitely say that as an outsider looking at where the Rams have and what they've drafted, where they've been, 
I would argue pretty comprehensively that the Rams have been searching for value pick at wide receiver as opposed to maybe packaging one or two of those picks and going after a bona fide guy who no doubt. maybe uh, uh, has a knock here or a knock there. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, pl- there were plenty of those that, that actually wound up in the second round this year. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I think this year was a wide receiver heavy uh, 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 draft class. And had the Rams not given up a King's ransom, I think they probably would have come out of there with maybe something a little bit better than Pharaoh Cooper. But I will say that getting Pharaoh Cooper and getting uh, Michael Thomas, though not the uh, Michael Thomas. um, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, hey, man, Michael Thomas put it down at Ohio State, so you know. I, I, I got to get you. I got to get used to this new angle of Tershaw Radio. But I feel you know that know that Michael Thomas at Ohio State was a little bit different of a beast. Yeah, and I'm sure there, that any Rams fans would have glad, and they probably still would until they see the sure. work that, the, that the guy puts in out there and is putting in. Uh, you know, they probably would trade him for Michael Thomas. But, you know, this Michael Thomas that's currently on the Rams, he's going to earn his fans. I, I truly believe that. I think that Jared Goff, if nothing else, is going to develop that rapport with him. And that rapport is going to be what makes both men better. And then that, that in turn is going to free things up for the other guys because surprisingly enough, what should be the number one target, the guy that you're not necessarily going to double because I don't ever think teams were really going to double Tavon Austin. I know we talked about this on, on flipping tables when we had you as a guest there. Uh, uh, you know, now all of a sudden you get got defenses that are like, okay, maybe we better swing over some safety help over there. That Thomas kid is giving them some problems. Fair, that opens things up for Pharaoh Cooper and certainly Tavon Austin. And so maybe, just maybe, because Goff is a guy that knows how to get the ball, ball out of his hand really quickly, he's used to playing in the Pac-12, he's used to playing with some speedy receivers, so he knows how to hit those quick throws. If they can hit those in succession, you know, the, the Rams in theory can West Welker the out of teams if they want. Like, sure. And then that could open up things for Todd Gurley. You can basically run a Mike Leach style offense if, if you're Jeff Fisher with Jared Goff. Use these short and these slants and these bubble screens and screen passes and such as an extension of your running game until the defenses are loosened up. Because until Goff starts opening things up with his arms, I don't think there's a defense in this league that's not going to throw eight in the box and say, okay, let's see anybody besides Todd Gurley beat us. And I think the problem is that's what the Rams dealt with last season, and they didn't have an answer for that with Nick Foles or Case Keenum at quarterback. Uh, I I know Case Keenum ended up helping them get some wins down the line, but if you look at the the actual output, it wasn't that strong. Here's what I would say in response to what you said. Two things. Number one, when you talk about the West Welker offense, it's not, it's not a coincidence. This is the team that signed West Welker last year, right? I mean, and clearly that's what they wanted to try to do. This is the team that had Danny Amendola four years ago. 
uh, and, and tried to run that kind of quick strike offense that a lot of times what fans complained about was that they were throwing the ball too short. I think the bigger problem was that they didn't take advantage of the West, the West Welker offense in terms of what you do after you throw the ball to extend the play to really develop first downs. What ended up happening was that you threw the ball for four yards, especially with Sam Bradford as quarterback, and you ended up gaining four yards. That, that, that's not taking advantage of that kind of that, that Pat Shermer offense. You, you've got to be able to throw a four-yard slant and find that guy into space where he can run and p- pick up yards after catch. I think the second problem is when you talk about it, maybe not problem. Let, let me rephrase that. The second major issue, and this is maybe the big segue going into our training camp preview that we can hit for a little bit before we close this out. You mentioned the, the rapport that Jeff, Jared Goff is going to have to develop with Farrow Cooper. Certainly he's going to have to develop with Mike Thomas, Tyler Higby, uh, to Mark Hemingway, the four draft picks that they had at wide receiver and tight end, and obviously what the Rams are bringing back at both positions moving forward for the passing game. I think there's this weird transition, and maybe this is the theme of the night, the 2019 opening of the stadium, 2019 Los Angeles Rams as being, you know, this kind of second chapter of new Los Angeles Rams football. How do we get there, right? And you've got guys like Lance Kendricks, Tavon Austin, Kenny Britt. How do do we get to 2019? Clearly, Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback for the foreseeable future, assumedly for 2019. Does does he develop a stronger rapport with Farrell Cooper and Mike Thomas than he does with Tavon Austin and Kenny Britt? And if so, what does that mean for the season moving forward? I think I think that's one of the most interesting things that I'm looking for in training camp is not not necessarily how does this offense work overall, but how do the two offenses that the Rams have uh, develop? You've got an offense carryover in Case Keenum, Kenny Britt. Tavon Austin, Lance Kendricks, and you've got a new offense in Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Farrell Cooper, whoever else you want to throw in there. That, that there's almost a, a a line between the two, and the transition is maybe more important than anything. Not necessarily for this year, but necessarily for the success of the Rams under Jeff Fisher. Because if he's going to get anything, he's got to show like something we yeah. talked about last week that 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 you've got to see some development out of week to week to move forward. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is is going to be, okay, how does – we obviously know who some of the key players are for the Rams moving forward. Like, I can so, kind of understand to maybe an extent why the Rams didn't pursue both uh, – uh, uh, Janoris Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. If you're looking at okay, you know we we know that we've got Aaron Donald on the books for for a couple more years and such, but we also know that in about a season or two, this guy is going to want a new deal. Like, let's face it. I mean, the upward trajectory that Aaron Donald's on and the kind of money that he's going to command at that position. If the Rams are going to have any hope of keeping him, they're going to have to pay him. And they are going to because we know what Aaron Donald can do. And now you got Todd Gurley in there. So we already know that Todd Gurley and Jared Goff and Aaron Donald, boom, one, two, three, there's your nucleus, you know, in theory for the future, you know. But you you were asking about this offense. And I think that Kenny Britt, and I'm no – 
significant reason to necessarily believe this other than I think it's by virtue of just it's what's supposed to happen. It's 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 sort of okay. natural selection. Michael Thomas is supposed to replace Kenny Britt. You know, you're generally only going to have one big target out there. You're you're going to line up with some smaller guys. That's what Fisher likes to do. But I don't think that Tavon Austin's going to get phased out of this thing. I think Kenny Britt may be the odd man out. Tavon Austin is far too similar to some of the weapons that Jared Goff had over at Cal, and he's going to mm-hmm. love those speedy playmakers who can do things once they get the ball in their hands in space. That's what he's used to at Cal, and he's going to fall in love with that with Tavon Austin. I mean, Fisher's fallen in love. I mean, Fisher wants to give him 100 catches, not 100 touches. He said 100 catches. Right. Okay, sure, buddy. Like, I do think there will be an evolution to this offense, and I do believe that it will improve. I still think, though, I don't know if maybe I have a lot of faith in Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas is going to have to have one of those like, whoa, years if 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 he's going to get people believing that he's the answer to the Rams problem at primary wideout, because even having Pharaoh Cooper and Tavon opposite a a. Decent, let's just say decent, you know, the guy turns into a productive, we'll use that word, productive wide receiver. I still think it limits this offense. I still think you need to have that big play receiver and you can't hope that there's a defensive lapse in coverage because you confused them with which route was going to go to which guy. Uh, You're going to have to come up with something a little bit more innovative than, you know, jet sweeps and fly sweeps with guys like Pharaoh Cooper and Tavon Austin. Um, So I, I do think that Kenny Britt's the odd man out, but I don't know that Michael Thomas is the long-term solution. So I don't think I've done anything to allay your long-term fears. I just think I've pushed him back a little bit further. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you you say you have you have to come up with something. No, you don't. I mean, they could they could completely fail and not come up with anything new and do the same thing and experience the same failure, albeit with different people. I mean, you're talking about Mike Thomas versus Kenny Britton. Mike Thomas is a six-round draft pick. I, I think, and I'm, I'm not criticizing you. I'm criticizing the, 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 the way the Rams have handled this situation. To be, if, if they're reliant on a sixth-round rookie draft pick to fix the issues that they have at wide receiver after a year in which they finished last in the NFL in yardage game, that that's ridiculous. That's that's ridiculous. But it's something as fans we should be demanding that that they do a better job of. And I, I think I that's think that, part of the problem. I no, think the thinking here for this year was they were going to have to give up a king's ransom to get who they wanted. So addressing a wide receiver and getting what they wanted because let's be real, they knew they wanted golf. Going up and getting golf. They knew they were going to have to give up a lot to get it, and 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 addressing a receiver in in uh, free agency was not an option, outside of Alshon Jeffrey, right. which the Bears were never letting go. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I got that right. Right, he plays for the Bears. 
Yes. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I, like, I like this dynamic between me calling Tevin McDonald or TJ McDonald, the UCLA player, and now you dealing yeah, with NFL. Yeah, it, it, it's a great mix. It's a great it's match. It's a great mix, but we'll have the chemistry right at the end of it, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, where was I? Who the hell was I talking about now? Alshon Jeffrey and the yeah, fact that the Rams yeah, didn't no have way. an option in free agency. Alshon was never coming to L.A., and, and that was it on, on – on the market for, for wide receivers. Uh, there no were, you know, like one or two other guys out there, but nothing that moved the needle. And Cam and I, to, to, to make a point of how to put a fine point on this statement, Cam and I literally went through every wide receiver that was listed like free agent, you know, restricted or otherwise. We went through them like one by one talking about it and, mm -hmm. And, and there was nothing there. So I don't think sure. there was anything the Rams could do in this draft if you already assumed that Jared Goff was the starting point for them. Because at that point, you have to move yourself out of, you know, some, some of the better rounds for at least wide receiver talent. I do yeah. think if, if there's any intelligentsia, and this is something I'm going to be keeping an eye on, is how the Rams are going to accumulate things over the year and, and as the, the uh, trade deadline approaches, it, do they move back into the second round somehow? Do they move somebody off uh, midseason uh, and move back into that second round gathering up some picks to then address the receiver position that they will have lost out on as a result of trading up to get golf? That's the big thing I'm going to be watching for moving forward. If they go out and attack and go get a, a legitimate, you know, uh, a deep threat playmaking receiver next year, whether it's in the first or second round, I'm going to say, okay, there's, there's at least a line of thinking here that I can follow quarterback. You know, running back, quarterback, receiver, defensive tackle. You know, you they they've got him. I mean, I I guess the defensive tackle would have been first on that list, but uh, they will have a nucleus for basically every skill position that you could need to start and build out. And if, as you say, the reins are then going to be handed over to somebody because, you know, Fisher will oversee this, and Fisher will develop Goff, he can develop Goff. I think that's important. You know, he's going to get some leadership under Fisher. That can't be understated. It may not be what you want in terms of on-the-field wins and losses, but this kid is definitely going to learn, and whoever it is that replaces Jeff Fisher, whether it's now, whether it's two years from now, whether it's ten years from now, whoever the hell inherits this team, this is going to be a really attractive job. And I think that's what the Rams are trying to position. They'll have a playmaking receiver. They will have a dynamic threat at running back. They will have a wonder kid at quarterback. And they will probably have the best defensive player in the league in about two years. And, and yeah, now here, here's, here's the, 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 the schism on the storyline that I don't understand. I agree with you on all of that on all of it, on all of what makes this job so attractive. What I, what I, what I can't understand, I can understand why it exists, but what I can't understand is why Rams fans support it is why that situation exists 
and the Rams can't get a winning record out of that. I, I, I have, n- I have no explanation a- as to why the, the Rams have put forward the, the running back, the defensive line, the, the capabilities across the defense, the, the other weapons on the offense to the degree that they have. And yet to come away with the league's worst offense on yardage and to, and to come away with a defense that isn't top, top five and arguably not top ten, I don't understand how we can, we can say this is the job opportunity that we're offering to other head coaches, but the current head coach that we have can't even make this into a winning program. Well, I, I don't understand that at all. Well, I mean, I, 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 we could sit here all night and we're not going to figure that out. But, but I think that the objective is, like you said, if, if, if you're the ownership group, okay, you know, whether or not Les Snead is going to be around or, or Cronky has plans to, to do wholesale changes or whatever, mm-hmm. I tend to think that they're trying to position this franchise to be a very attractive offer. And unfortunately, yeah, sure, sure. Janoris Jenkins and Rodney McLeod had to go because of the mm-hmm. money that they're going to have to tie up in long-term contracts with Aaron Donald, right. Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, most notably, probably Todd Gurley, because if he has another one or two big seasons, they're going to have to start talking about getting a deal done just to keep him yeah. from hitting the open market. If he's a premier Aaron, back, Aaron Donald, too. Aaron yeah, Donald, yeah, too. Yeah, but yeah. yeah well, I'd, I'd mentioned yep. him earlier. So that's what I was saying. Yep, right yep. there, yep. there went your money for Rodney McLeod and Janoris Jenkins. And, yeah, and sure. they knew that. And they knew that because if they signed those two to the deals that they wanted and the deals that they ultimately got, they are not going to be able to get it done with the players that they have and that they think they have. They are. This is how much they're betting on Todd Gurley. They're financially betting on Todd Gurley. Right. Now, as you said, a winning season out of it. I I think that's the problem, right? I mean, if if you're if you're betting on a situation and you're not sure you're even going to get a winning season out of it, then what are you doing? You know, and I I think that's part of the problem is you talk about the wide receiver position, the fact that th- this team hasn't spent a lot on that position, and that's true. You go back to 2012 when Fisher came in, they they spent on Brian Quick and you know, uh, Tavon Austin ultimately, but then had free agency to, to add Brian, uh, Kenny Britt. I, I think the problem is that they missed a class like 2014 with, uh, you know, every everybody lauded the 2014 wide receiver class as being one of the best of all time. You had Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, um, Odell Beckham Jr. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head the order of the draft. Brandon Cooks went 20th to New Orleans, Kelvin Benjamin to, to Carolina. Um, and, and I'm going to forget was, after that. Marquee, that, that, that was I the think first it was round. Marquise Lee was in that draft too. He went in the second round. Maybe uh, Allen Robinson, I remember, yeah. went to Jacksonville Jaguars. With, uh, Jarvis Lee. Landry. Yeah, and and, that, and that's the thing is, 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 you know, one of the things they talk about in economics is opportunity costs is the fact that by draft, and, and this is something I wrote about earlier, I think, two years ago is that the Rams spent so much, so much draft capital 
drafting at running back and cornerback for whatever reason. And this is something that you have to attribute to Jeff Fisher is that by prioritizing those positions, by drafting Isaiah Pede and Zach Stacy and Daryl Richardson and Trey Mason and Todd Gurley specifically meant they couldn't use those picks to other positions. Now it doesn't mean that necessarily those were bad picks. I, I've argued otherwise historically, but the fact that you, you spend a third round pick on Trey Mason means you can't spend a third round pick yeah, somewhere I else. Don't, I don't know. I think the key takeaway from a lot of <clears throat> Malzahn's offense is that a lot of those guys have had serious, serious issues adjusting to the sure. and and sure. and I think that the Rams have a couple of them. Yeah, um, you know I won't won't you know get into any more names but i i i do think that there are certainly question marks over some of the guys they've spent their picks on and and where they fit in i think the rams thought they were getting something a lot better with trey mason but you know sec running backs i i i think you know even an organization like the packers which you know they they do their homework in the draft. I mean, I I think I I think the Packers are are generally a very well run organization. Uh, you know, they've even made their mistakes, uh, uh drafting from some of these system system offenses. Uh, and in sure. in in placing their faith in 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 players like that. It just I I think that you are entering. Uh, I mean, look at Eddie Lacy. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. to draft draft a guy like Eddie Lacy or, you know, Trent Richardson or whatever the case may be, you know, even Mark Ingram with the Saints. Like, these are guys that you think are going to be much better than they are. And it's why most people coming out of college, when you watch Derrick Henry, I don't think he's going to be a, a great pro running back. I think he has sure. a very slow first step, and I think that – plays with Henry take a while to develop and you know, maybe that changes. I'm wrong. I was wrong on Cam Newton and, and I'm, I'm, I'm the type of guy that I don't have a problem saying I was wrong about a guy coming out of college. Other men value their penis size and their egos <laughs> to the point where they will not say that type of stuff. But if I'm I don't, I don't think we measure guy, that at the combine, Josh. I don't think oh, penis size is measured at the combine. It is. They do? It is. I was there this year. I missed that part. My bad. Actually, you know, I had a uh, I had a source. I was see he was telling me some of the questions that they asked. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. If we're if we're talking about penis size and use that as a segue, Whoa, we we they, may be going into a story him, that I don't know is necessarily just, relevant for Trisha Radio Man. It's just questions they ask at the combine. <laughs> they asked him if he happened to prefer men, and if he did, what type. And I'm just, you know, he's like, I didn't know how to answer that question. And I'm like, well, you got to answer silky and smooth just to see the look on the GM's <laughs> face. But uh, no, I, I mean, look, I, I think you never know what you're going to get with some of these cats when you draft him. You get a guy like Trey Mason, you think you're getting a lot more than you are. Instead, you wind up with a headache. Todd Gurley, on the other hand, he, there was every reason in the world not to draft that guy. And the Rams no did, and look what happened. You know, uh, so let's hope that Jared Goff falls into the middle of that, you know, the happy medium where 
he lives up to expectations and is the benefit of a coach who knows how to get guys off the ground in terms of NFL language and that whomever comes along down the line can elevate him to the next level. Because if Jeff Fisher isn't the long-term solution and you're arguing that he's not, and, and I tend to agree with you, I don't think he will be, but if Jeff Fisher is not, whoever it is that the Rams hire next is so flipping critical that I don't even, we could spend an entire pod, podcast talking about how, like, you might as well blow the whole team up and start over if they bust the next sure. time. Might as well blow sure. it up and start it all over. Now, uh, so three things. Number one, we've got the first official hashtag for Tertia Radio, which is silky and smooth. No doubt, silky and smooth is the hashtag of Tertia Radio 2016. Number two, you're not wrong that the next coach, you know, coming in would have to blow it up. The problem is that's what happens when you get a new head coach and they blow it up and you hold no, them accountable I'm for what if they've they done. Don't get the no, next go ahead. Coach right. That, that, that they're, that they're gonna, they might as well blow this whole thing up because if the next guy comes in and he's not the right guy to elevate Goff's development and mm-hmm. you get a regression, the NFL, there, there's you don't usually come back from that stuff. You know, once sure. you fall behind, there's not too many guys who who catch back up. Once you're out, you're generally out. And if 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 Fish isn't the guy to get this team over the hump, and the next guy is an unmitigated disaster, now all mm-hmm. of a sudden you've taken Jared Goff's most formative years and put him with a guy who never had a winning season, and then followed that up with an unmitigated disaster. At that point, you might as well sell Goff to some team that still thinks he has some value, hire a competent coach. You know, maybe uh-huh. by then Bruce Arians or somebody will be tired of the scenery. Uh, you know, and and then you start this whole process over. But if so, they so get here's somebody, here's what I would if they here's what I would ask you: Isn't that exactly what just happened with Jeff Fisher and Sam Bradford? In theory, no, because I don't really <laughs> ever think that 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 Sam Bradford's health. I think the Rams kind of. Look, all, all the signs were there that Bradford had the tools and the Rams were hoping for it. Sure. Like, he was a, he was just, a 2010 Rookie of the Year, right? Isn't that, isn't that what everybody's aiming for, for Jared Goff as the Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I, I mean, it just – Sam Bradford's one of those guys who wanted to play a game his body didn't want him to play. And uh, it's it's just unfortunate. And I think that derailed the plans. And you – Look, this is a dead man's excuse, but if I'm playing devil's advocate, oops, sorry about that. I lost myself there for a second. Uh, uh, can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Okay. Now you're good. You are? Right? Uh, yeah, I'm having all kinds of weird issues over here. Uh, this is a dead man's excuse, but if 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 Jared Goff if Jeff Fisher was was honestly derailed badly by the Sam Bradford injuries, I could understand why he had a couple of bad seasons and then 
a couple of more rough seasons under the Nick Foles resurrection. Look, if he's truly capable of overseeing the development of a quarterback into the elite stages, then he look, he's been given his mold of clay. If if this doesn't go right, if he doesn't win with this, it's it's undeniably on him, and there's nobody else that can say any differently at that point. So, so here's they what I was going to say. Differently now. Yeah, no doubt. And here, here's what I was going to say is that you were talking about the capability to build that uh, under the quarterback of your choosing, that the franchise you're choosing. And I think it's, you know, we're reaching the, the point where we need to start closing this up is the fact that Jeff Fisher had that. This, this is year five. Most, and I, I say most, nearly all NFL coaches don't get this opportunity to not only go through your first quarterback, Sam Bradford, and your first era, with, which Jeff Fisher had from 2012 to 2015, he's getting a second era at least to start with in 2016 and reset. All the things that you mentioned of building this era leaning towards 2019 the Rams are one of the few franchises in the history of the NFL, and certainly with the same coach, to be able to do that and get a second era. Jeff, most people don't get, you know, a franchise QB the way that Jeff Fisher talked that. about Sam Bradford and going into 2012 and building up his franchise and having four years to build, you know, a cornerback stable the way he drafted Janoris Jenkins, a Truman Johnson, a Lamarcus Joyner, and all these guys that they spent high picks on and at running back Isaiah Pede, uh, Daryl Johnson, Zach Stacy, Trey Mason, uh, Todd Gurley. The fact that they've been able to spend all these high picks at the positions that they value the most and, and craft the rest of the team around them and have four years to come up with the results that they have. The fact that he's even given an opportunity to, to come up with the second iteration of that, that's, that's not only rare in the NFL, it, it's hard to find a second iteration of this where you've got somebody like what they've got with Jeff Fisher and Les Snead is where they're giving them a contract like extension – Discussion, yeah, but not even Tom Landry. Tom Landry got fired by the Cowboys and got restarted from scratch and built up with Jerry Jones and built up into one of the greatest dynasties that we've ever seen in the NFL. The fact the Rams not only don't get that but don't even get offered that is clearly an indication that Jeff Fisher hasn't done the basic stuff that you expect with the position that he spent on, running back, cornerback, and I guess not quarterback, the fact that he had Sam Bradford a number one overall quarterback and is replacing that with a number one overall quarterback in Jared Goff. Yeah, that's a hard, like, you know, I, I mean, in a debate, that's a mic drop. Uh, I'll give you that yeah. one. I mean, I'm, there's, look, I mean, I realize we're not even arguing against each other, but yeah, you, you have to go back to years of blind damn loyalty to coaches uh, uh, sure. when, when they just didn't fire guys. Like, you know, you only see this type of stuff in college, you know, <laughs> you know, what's that? Uh, you get to build up an entire new class of, of people. Ah, you must be a cop. Wait, you're a, you're an NFL right, right. head coach. How'd you get that uh, option? You know, like, yeah, 
as you're saying it, it had never really occurred to me that mo like I've never really thought about it in those terms. You usually do not get another chance to rebuild from scratch with a new quarterback, a new running back. It, it more so in year five, year yeah. not year three, not year four, year five. It's worth noting uh, that uh, there was a bit of NFL news today as it pertains to the Rams, that there's actually a new concussion protocol. Uh, right. Yeah, as a result of you're probably going to end up calling it the Case Keenum rule uh, as as these things so often become known in NFL circles. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and that's coming right. while, while the Rams medical staff got named NFL medical. I, I don't want to misquote it, but whatever. They got they got named as the NFL medical staff of the year. I think that the Rams are so good at the stuff that doesn't matter in terms of the win loss column, and yet they're so good at the stuff that matters in between. It, it's hard to jive that together, man. Yeah. I'll give you that, man. It 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 is hard to look across time and space in 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 NFL or even any other. You don't even really see at the professional level, even in soccer, man. Like you don't get to oversee the the rebuild. You know, you're usually gone. Like this sure. this type of Sir Alex Ferguson stuff. Well, you know, Arson Banger, man. <laughs> Oh, that's going to open up a whole new can of worms for you, ain't it? Uh, I, I love the, the analogy that this opens for 2016 because it, it gives us a season-long opportunity to look at the difference between, uh, you know, Stan Kroenke's other property in Arsenal and what he's got with the Los Angeles Rams and the fact that uh, like he owns all these check? other all – yeah, all these other sports properties that have different expectations and different values – well, well, hey, he had, to, I, I, he had to put him. Technically, he had to put him. We all know who runs them, but legally, he had to put them in his kids' names so that he could have the Rams. So, sure, yeah. Well, if, if anybody believes that, that's the same issues that we dealt with with the the Rams moving from St. Louis to Los Angeles. You know, you. I can't. I can't dissuade anybody from believing what. The, the PR wants to put out in front of them. But what, what I'd say is this. Obviously, the Rams have some significant issues facing them, and I think this is a good opportunity to close this out for social radio, is that they got, the, they got blatant issues facing uh, the personnel going into the uh, 2016 training camp, the first training camp for Los Angeles Rams in a long time. I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see what, what kind of rapport Jared Goff develops with everybody, what kind of offense they uh, start to develop. I, I, I'm just interested in how they build this roster together uh, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch it all come together. And truly, I think one of the most interesting things is going to be how it all comes together within the different factions of the team. I, I, I think seeing these relationships, these mentorships uh, grow over the year, over the season, um, even coming out of training camp, I think is going to give us a little bit better insight about what we can expect 
um, you know, whether things are chippy or if it's a family environment. I, I, I think that'll sure. I think that'll really tell us how much because NFL players aren't dumb, man. And and just flat out, like if they lost faith in Fisher, we are going to see it like you. You see it when you see it, man. Like if a team yep. has no faith in the coach, we will see yep. it. So, um, you know, hopefully. Hopefully it really was just a con strange confluence of events, but certainly you you make a compelling case that no other coach would be given the opportunity to oversee a rebuild after being given a rebuild where they were hired to be a rebuilder. You 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 don't usually like yeah, you're the guy that's fired. It's it's really odd. I'd never thought about it that way, man. So yeah, it that's, is. That's but, a fun uh, thought. Yeah, and it's what makes the 2016 Los Angeles Rams interesting. So um, we didn't we didn't have a full rem sheet for anybody listening. We didn't have the the, the entire podcast scripted out. Um, we we didn't have a draft talk, the prospect talk, the roster battles, the bubble stuff. All the stuff that we're looking into previewing on the site, we didn't have that uh, scripted out for the podcast. So, Josh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. W what do you want to close this out with, man? Whew. Okay, I'll ask you a couple of questions that I got no, asked I go back when to I went on I want to talk about how Jeff did no, no, no. <laughs> I want to ask you, though. I want to ask you this question <laughs> because it was a fun one. Uh, Dr. Roto asked me, he said, talk me out of taking Todd Gurley number one overall. Okay. So if the you, if you were a fantasy, would you take mm -hmm. Todd Gurley number one? So we just had our own fantasy guru, Mike Dietrich. Um, he had Todd Gurley. I want to say number 10. I'm pulling it up as I, uh, as I speak this out. Um, you know, Mike's, uh, Mike's my fantasy guy. I'm not a fantasy guy. I, th I think the, the key is to, to identify the opportunities that, that players have. Todd Gurley's an incredible talent. No, there's no doubt. And he, he's certainly uh, capable of putting up the kind of statistics that you need for a number one overall fantasy pick. I think, I think the problem is, are the Rams going to give him the opportunities to be the kind of number one overall fantasy play, uh, pick that you need? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know that they're going to get – you go back to the second half of the season, they certainly didn't. I, I don't know what changes that, you know, with the same offensive line and switching Jared Goff in place of Nick Foles or Case Keenum. I, I think I think the problem is does does Todd Gurley have the, the, the properties around him to make him the number one overall fantasy pick, to make him the number one? number one overall running back. And I don't know if that's the case. You know what? I figured out what we should have as a segment. <clears throat> true, true story. I have played fantasy football one time in my life. I played one season and that season went so poorly. Like that. I just quit halfway through it. And I was like, yeah, I'm never doing this again. And I've stuck to that. Uh, mostly because of the time and, and seeing how crazy some of these dudes are about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, hey, I'm not 
I'm not talking down to you. I'm just saying I ain't got that kind of time with all my other passions. Mm-hmm. I'm already getting up. You and I know the struggle of having to get up at like four or five in the morning sometimes just to watch your team play because of the eight hour mm-hmm. time difference, you know? So, and, and I don't have the, I don't have time to, to, to sit down. I am, look, I cannot stress enough how much you should not come to me listeners for fantasy <laughs> advice. Fantasy. Like, if there were somebody that you considered to be like the worst person that you could ever listen to for fantasy advice, put me just after them. Like that's how much I cannot help you with, with fantasy football. But that, have, that's why we have Mike on the site for fantasy advice. He's a fantasy guy. He had just to recap. Uh, if anybody wants to go ahead and read this, I certainly suggest it. Uh, this week he had, uh, Elliot Ezekiel as uh, his number four overall behind Rob Gronkowski at number three, Antonio Brown at number two, and obviously the Odell Beckham at number one. Check out his rankings of his top 150 big board. He had Todd Gurley at number five. So that, I think that's fair. I mean, I mean that, yeah, and it is. I mean, the Rams want to run, operate a running offense first and have Yeah, that'll be Jared Goff's primary job. That's what I said yep. on air. Like, Jared Goff's job will be to turn around and hand the ball off to, to, to Todd Gurley. That's what he'll be instructed no to do. I think the problem is that when you talk about fantasy, and I'm not a fantasy guy, I defer to Mike on all of this, is that you had Ezekiel Elliott, number four overall, Dallas Cowboys running back, Todd Gurley, obviously, are running back at number five. The problem is that you have a glut of running backs thereafter. Le'Veon Bell, who obviously is dealing with some stuff for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think, uh, I David think Ezekiel Elliott's but, about to become a star. Like, that kid's about to become a star. That kid is the most pro-ready running back I've seen come out of college in a long, long, long... Like, that dude is the total package at running back. And I know the Cowboys were, like, through the roof that that they lost DeMarco Murray, you know? Like, that was, like, you know, the worst. Like, man, they're not even going to remember that dude's name after a couple seasons with Ezekiel Elliott. That guy is a beast. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's... my val- my knowledge in fantasy comes from oh yeah I know what that kid did in college like that's where I can right. help you like those those college kids that you may not know much about because I know NFLers were like I don't I watch real football completely forgetting that mm-hmm. the game was invented in college. Um, yeah, and I think that's part of the interesting part is that you got so many running backs and even looking at Mike's running running back rankings is that he's got Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley. Followed by Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Lamar Miller. Does Le'Veon um, Bell stay and, on the field? Sure. Or does he get suspended? Yeah. Well, let's see. It's the NFL, man. I don't know. Uh, Mark Ingram, Thomas Rawls, Jamal Charles, Doug Martin. I think the difference is that anybody who's listening to Tertia Radio knows that I'm as uh, dedicated to the college and high school football games as anybody. <laughs> you know, and I think it's. Uh, uh, certainly a good fit for the Los Angeles Rams, the fact that this is a, a franchise that has dedicated itself to its running backs and that uh, we're, we're keyed on that. But I think that's a good segue to finish this off, Josh, is that. Yes, sir. You know, for Todd Gurley, 
uh, Trey Mason, Benny Cunningham, whomever ends up finishing in that running back depth chart. Uh, this, this is a team that's dedicated to running backs, and that's uh, part of where we're going, is that it's not necessarily about Jared Goff and the, the quarterbacks in the passing game. It's the running game plus the defense that's going to define this team. Or at least that's the hope. Well, I, I like I, I like the level of optimism that you suggest there. You beat it out of me over the course of the episode, dude. I, I started the episode fighting you, and then and then you dropped the mic about that that thing with the coach never, trying to come up with another coach who'd gotten to oversee two different rebuilding projects, and then I just got stuck there. My mind has honestly been been stuck there, like trying to come up with a name. I'm like, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't. You know, <laughs> like I've been trying what? to think about it. I think the only one that you could say, no, I was about to say maybe Bill Walsh, but welcome to Rams football. That that's all. That's all I can say to you, man. This this is a team that hasn't had a winning record since 2003. This is like so that stat my buddy leveled on me a couple years ago where the Oakland Raiders became the first team in NFL yeah. history to w- to not lose a single game in their division and not make the playoffs. <laughs> so, hey, look, man, that's what we're dealing with. We're, we're, we, we've got a defense that I know you like to lean in on and the fact that they are playoff caliber and, and they've got, you know, components elsewhere that uh, – should be good enough for the Rams to lean on to get into the playoffs. The, the fact that we haven't had a winning record means that something's wrong. And I think we're starting to shed light on what's starting to improve around the roster, whether it's wide receivers or tight ends or scouting or whatever it is. I think that's going to be part of the fun of rebooting Tertial Radio is that we get an opportunity to – identify the things that are going to make this team get things successful. I couldn't agree more, man. And we'll certainly know more about training camp. So like you said, I think that's a perfect place to put a pin in the conversation for now. And, uh, you know, uh, I had forgotten. I know we promised I'd have a guest this week with cam. I totally forgot that mountain West media days were this week. So did he. So we pushed that to next week. So he'll be our guest next week. Uh, if uh, any of our listeners want to send in plays to have Cam dissect plays from the Rams last year, know what went right and what went wrong in terms of X's and O's, we'll have some of that next time. But uh, you, I know you can bring us on home from here, Joe. No doubt. Send us uh, your plays, send us your questions. Uh, fight on twist. Fight on Twist, is that right? Yes, sir. Y'all know Oliver, what the Oliver, deal is. Oliver Twist was my uh, was my fraternity oh. nickname. That's that's where that came from. Oliver Twist was my fraternity nickname. I'll leave you guys. That to is a about that is reason. another story for another time, my man. <laughs> Oliver Twist, Fight on Twist, three K underscore, holler at us on Twitter. Uh, we're gonna get out y'all. We hey this week. Training camp's here, man. We made it. We made it back to 2016 Rams season. We're finally here. I, there's a there's a weight lifted off my chest, Josh, as we get into uh, 2016 Rams season. Just to have something to come, not necessarily out of the 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 joy of being able to cover it, but the fact that we have something to cover. I couldn't agree with you more, man. And and being able to do this. 
with uh, the new platform and some of the stuff yeah. that we're talking about behind the scenes. Uh, yep. If Turf Show Times isn't already on the map, we're about to make a space for ourselves right in the center of it. No doubt. Holler at us, man. Turf Show Times, 3K underscore, fight on Swift. Y'all know the deal. Turf Show Radio Holler. Go, Rams. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>